The following program is produced and furnished in conjunction with Mark Amtower of Amtower and Company, which is entirely responsible for its content. This is Amtower Off Center on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. Every week, author, speaker, consultant Mark Amtower gives you his take on what's going on in the world of federal marketing. Now, your host, Mark Amtower. Welcome to Amtower Off Center on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. I'm excited about my guest today. Uh, I saw her speak at a Washington Technology Power Breakfast about two months or so ago. And Dolly Oberoi of uh, C-Squared Technologies has uh, has been a uh, below-the-radar force in the market for, for a while. So, Dolly, uh, tell us, number one, a little bit about you, about the company, and why you started uh, uh, C-Squared now 30 years ago. Congrats. Hi, Mark. That's nice to be here. Thanks for inviting me. Um, it's been a very exciting journey. I came to the United States in search of technology to take back to my home country of India. Came as a tourist with 200 bucks and a backpack and started looking for technology in 1984. As you know, it wasn't uh, very easily or readily available, but during my travels, I ended up being in Boston for a couple of days, um, and a friend of mine asked me what I wanted to do. I said, hey, I want to take education technology back to my country, and do you know where I can see some demos? And he said, funny, you should ask. Uh, there's a demo at MIT today, uh, next week, and why don't you stay? So I went and uh, looked at that demo, and I called my parents, and I said, I think I found technology, uh, and I don't think I'm going to be coming home. And so, of course, you can imagine. They were thrilled. <laughs> they were thrilled and, you know, no social media, no uh, telephones and two months for letters and no relatives uh, and things like that. So it was a pretty frightening uh, phone call that I made to my parents. I only realize that now that I have kids. But anyway, uh, that's uh, when the entrepreneurial journey started. And then I started applying to schools and I got accepted at the Harvard's uh, Innovation in Technology program. Uh, I had to fight for everything, even uh, beg them to waive off my admission fee of $25 because remember I had only 200 bucks and I'd spend most of that money by then. And so, um, and and you were a woman in technology, which was rare, very rare. And so I pestered the uh, secretary at the admissions office every day. And then one day she got sick of me and said, "Go talk to the dean." And the dean said, "What what can I do for you?" I said, "Look, I want to take technology to my country, and I teach very poor children, and they can't relate to anything. So I want to connect them to the rest of the world through technology." She said, "Oh, you have a vision and a mission." And I thought that was novel. So, so um, she actually did wave off uh, uh, my test for English language, which was $150. And then uh, because she said, if you can fight so hard in English, you must know good English. Uh, and then um, uh, similarly with the GRE, she gave me an alternate. But that's how I got accepted at Harvard. And then I started raising capital. But then what happened is that I went back to India in between semesters, started exploring uh, my next uh, move, which was to go back with technology, and India was not ready. It was 1984, and they were not ready. So uh, my parents said, go back to the U.S. and work there for a few years till we get ready, and you can come back. 
So I come back to the U.S., and guess what? The U.S. was not ready either. <laughs> so how was I supposed to get a job, a foreign student, no visa beyond my um, uh, student visa at that time? I had to get into an American workforce, and America was going through a recession and not ready for technology. So what do you do? You just have to become really creative. And I, uh, somebody said, move to Washington from Boston and uh, because Defense Department uses technology, and they were so right. Uh, that was a time when uh, I talked to several people. I networked and got very small little consulting gigs. And I worked for GDIT for a year and decided I can't work for somebody, much less a large company. So I went out into consulting again and started uh, um, doing feasibility studies for mainly DOD entities on how to take their uh, in-class training to distributed environments, and that was the genesis of C-squared. Okay, when you were doing that, was that as a solo, or did you attach yourself to? I was a, I was <clears throat> a consultant, independent okay. consultant. Cool. Yeah. And, and you were able to find work back then as an independent consultant. Well, you know, because I worked at GDIT for a year, I right. made some you connections. Some and so, and also, I have to say, I was uh, one of a kind in this town. Not many people had a technology, by a woman, technology, and a Harvard degree. It was not that common. Now it's much more common than it was 32 years ago. So, uh, so that helped me get into the market. But it, access to market and access to capital was very, very difficult. Um. Yeah, for a lot of companies, it still is. Right. So, so we'll get into that. So, uh, so C squared <clears throat> technologies, uh, and you can find it at c two technologies dot com. C two ti dot com. C two ti dot com. Um, what's your main focus? Because according to your LinkedIn profile and your website, it's still largely focused on that education model. So. Uh, we are in the online uh, training and education business, and we do a lot of simulation, modeling, aircrew training, simulators. We, uh, we actually train people on seven different aircrafts uh, for the Air Force. Air Force is our biggest customer. So defense is our biggest uh, customer. We, uh, on, we train on we uh, weapon systems, very sophisticated, complex simulations, virtual reality, augmented reality, AI, machine learning, all of that is part of our uh, offerings, but it's very high tech. Yeah, and, and you know what you were just mentioning, particularly the AI and the machine learning, uh, all of those things coming into play now especially are directly impacting the training environment. Right, and I have to say, uh, I, you know, being in the business for 30 years this year, um, it is the flavor of the day. AI has been around forever, and we've been developing all these simulations and using, they were called intelligent systems, mm -hmm. and now they are AI. So, uh, but today, more than any other time, there is a lot of uh, readiness on the part of uh, our customers to embrace those uh, technologies and tools. Okay. I, I teach graduate school at George Washington University once a year, and... Um, when I started five years ago, when the new techno—I'm not a technology person by any stretch—so when the new technologies would come, I would assign each of the technologies that I did not understand at all to one of my students and tell them to develop a marketing program around it. But they had to explain the technology to me, so I'd begin to have a clue. 
So, that's great. Um, that's a great it's, strategy. It's, yeah. Well, I mean, I wasn't going to do the research because right. I wouldn't understand it. I, you know, you're a thought leader. Thought leaders have to explain things in terms that are understandable to the lay public. Sure. So, um, yeah, I mean, so... I mean, I that, that's, my class. well, that's what we do. You know, every day we are in such a fast moving uh, uh, environment with uh, technology, which is impacting the world of work and the future of work and education. Everything is linked. So how do you keep a workforce that is always ahead of the trends and tools and technologies? We do the same thing. Every month we have a demo of the month. We bring in thought leaders and we have our own people research um, and also present their own uh, projects and how they are embracing new tools and technologies. Okay. So to, you have over 200 employees at this point? Uh, we have over 600. Whoa, okay. Well, only 200 I can find on LinkedIn. Right. So, <clears throat> okay, 600. So are they all housed in one facility, or when you host these, you do you use your own distributed learning platform? Uh, so we, are a, we have three solutions development centers, we are headquartered in uh, Washington, D.C. area in Tyson's. Um, but then we are at 22 other locations uh, nationwide from Hawaii to Florida and Virginia. So um, we are uh, we use a lot of uh, different tools to uh, reach out to our own employees and to our customers. Okay, cool. And that way you can see any glitches in the tools that That's need correct. help. We pilot test them initially, and we have... Um, an innovation lab where we have a sandbox for testing everything. Cool. We're going to take a break. You're listening to Amtower Off Center on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. I'm with Dolly Oberoi of C Squared Technologies, and we'll return right after this. Welcome back to Amtower Off Center on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. I'm Mark Amtower. I am here with Dolly Oberoi of C Squared Technologies. And, uh, again, Dolly uh, uh, really knocked it out of the park when I saw her speak at, uh, at the Washington Technology Power Breakfast, I think back in September or October. It's been, been a couple of months. But um, I'm, I'm having her uh, uh, redo that presentation here because um, she's been in charge of a small business now for 30 years. She has grown extremely effectively over that time, she's focused, and, and this is a biggie, folks, she's focused on a particular area of dealing with the federal government. Uh, they're very well known in the training arena, but not as a COTS off the shelf, um, and, and I'm not going to get into that right now. But Dolly, let's, let's start with your presentation. You, you started with, it's a great time to be small. So uh, I know that uh, when when an entrepreneur starts a business and we all have stars in our eyes, but the runway is pretty long uh, to go from zero to hero. So, uh, and, and, and there are many opportunities as a small business, but there are many challenges as well. Today, you know, in the last 10 years, particularly, the government set a goal of 23% um, a small business set aside. And it includes every combination, whether it's woman-owned, SDVs, uh, veteran-owned, uh, ADAs, Native American-owned. And so there, are, there is just an exciting opportunity at this point because uh, the small businesses, know it's not, a, uh, it's not a, an impediment to be small anymore. It, it is really how you can scale up 
build your capabilities, your past performance to actually be able to compete in the market. That's what is actually going to take you um, to a, a successful um, a successful place. So one of the things that happens a lot to uh, small businesses is they run out of their next codes. So if you are successful and you know, I remember I didn't think we were going to do a million dollars and then we hit a million. And that time the small business said the next was at five million, three million, sorry, 3.5. And I said, oh boy, that is a big mountain to climb. 3.5, 5 million, 10 million. Today, um, there are so many uh, larger opportunities coming out that it it's actually if you get three or four contracts in in uh, say under the computers uh, computer and software next you're out of the size standard. Right. So what do you do then? So there are a lot of creative strategies at this point. You can create uh, mentor protege JVs. Mm -hmm. In fact, we have mentored at least six companies very successfully, and then also formed JVs with a couple of them. Now, with when you're mentoring those companies, are they uh, in in space that's complementary to what you Correct. do? Correct. Yes. Okay. We and, and um, <clears throat> most of them. Uh, also, in some cases, they did not have any qualifications, so we helped them build their past performance. We coached them, we guided them, and then they were off to the races. So uh, so I think one of the things that happens is in these mentor-protege things, uh, uh, SBA has... Uh, really encourage that and it's a good strategy. But I think there seems to be a misunderstanding that I must clear up that mentor protege does not mean outsourcing entrepreneurship to your mentor. And that's what is happening. I'm seeing a pattern of that. Hey, you haven't got me contracts. No, we're teaching you how to fish so that you become the best fisherman and then you can catch your own fish. And on the way, you get to, uh, we help you build your past performance, build, build your brand, and so on and so forth. So that's the spirit of the uh, mentor protege program. But also another thing that has happened recently, if you're tracking the SBA rules are changing very rapidly. Uh, they have uh, adjusted the NAICS, the size standards based on inflation and uh, that has helped a lot of companies because if they were under 27.5 for example now they get that same next is under 30.5 so that's a big jump and a big help so that also keeps you in the small business arena uh, uh, longer then the other thing that has happened is the SBA runway act it isn't enacted yet it is but uh, the White House did uh, um, uh, pass an executive order, but SBA hasn't approved it yet. But it's in the works. Whether uh, uh, right now it's the three years uh, average revenue as opposed to what they are proposing is five years. So it will, of course, help some and not help others, but it still creates a longer uh, runway for the smaller businesses that are grad uh, increasing their revenue rapidly. The other thing that is happening is that contract vehicles are exploding in the marketplace. <clears throat> when I started the business 30 years ago, the, even GSA schedule was a far cry. It took us three years to get that. But today... And back then, GSA schedules weren't generating the revenue they are today. Exactly. Nobody was using them. So good news, we got the GSA schedule. Bad news, we didn't generate revenue till 10 years ago. So, <laughs> so but today, it's the opposite. You, there are so many contract vehicles, Oasis, HCATS, um, Alliant, ITIS, you name it, and then there are best-in-class uh, contracts bits, and, yeah. and category management and so on and so forth. I think the biggest bigger challenge for small businesses is to stay focused 
and say, okay, I'm go- I can only go after two or three of these. So you don't even need five of these. If you get two or three, they all have uh, now uh, 10-year runways. And uh, most of the, a lot of the small businesses under Oasis in the first round have graduated very successfully from the small business size because so many task orders were coming out and they figured out a strategy to uh, win those task orders and they were good sized ta- task orders. So there, there's another opportunity where you have multiple uh, uh, avenues uh, to bid. I, I, I saw that you had a, a number of contractual vehicles. Uh, how many of the best in class are you on? So we are on, because of the kind of business we are on, in, uh, we are on GSA, Human Capital and Training Contract. H-Cats, it's a ten, Yeah, HCATS. Yeah, it's a 10-year contract. Mm-hmm. So that's the one. And then we have several others. Uh, we have a TSA-3 with the Air Force. But in that case, the NICS is 1,500 people. So we are managing our size and our growth, 2,000 person and 1,500 uh, person NICS. So we have those kind of contracts. Um then the other thing is that um, the smaller businesses are getting contracts that are getting larger and larger. For example, there's a census contract that was awarded, awarded to a hub zone company. It exceeds over a billion dollars. So you have to really keep your eyes and ears open. There is so much opportunity now for small businesses. And of course, find good teaming uh, partners because you know that to get a billion dollar contract, you can't be at it by yourself. Right. Yeah. And and that lead time for going after these contracts, um, you know, when I talk to Smalls and say, you know, there's not going to be an on-ramp for soup, there's not going to be another on-ramp for, you know, whichever vehicle, they're going, well, when when's it going to recompete then? And I go, you know, probably in about four or five years, and you have to start prepping at least three years out. Yes. And and that just boggles their minds. Right. And, you know, another trend that we are seeing, there are faster and faster on-ramps coming up. Um, uh, for example, HCAS did an on-ramp within um, two and a half years for small businesses because, they, A, they didn't get enough, B, some graduated. Attrition, so yeah. Right. So the, and the attrition is happening faster than they anticipated. So that's the other. Will that runway help with that? Yes, it will. Yeah. It will help. And um, uh, so the other, so uh, Mark, you're absolutely right. You have to keep your eyes and ears open because now we have to. Uh, there is much less predictability uh, as to when these will get um, uh, recompeted or uh, runways will. I mean, ramp ups will come up just because there's so much more throughput than there used to be because of category management. So they're managing the categories like they are putting. Um, all the human capital training work now through HCATS, for example. Mm-hmm. It used to go to Oasis. It went to any any old vehicle uh, because they weren't managing to the categories, GSA schedules, all that. But now you have to keep those, uh, keep make sure that you're right. tracking well, those. HCATS had a very high cost at the beginning, too. Yes. And that discouraged agencies from using it. When GSA right. lowered that. Yes. It improved the traction. They went from 3% to 0.75 to be competitive with Oasis. Right. So yeah. that was a big thing. Huge. Yes. But it's the only contract out there, correct me if I'm wrong, that's really designed exclusively for that overall training environment. That's correct. And the predecessor contract used to be the OPM uh, training management assistance contract. And that was a really awesome contract vehicle for 
30 years that survived and it sunsetted last year. Right. Um, but the cool thing was that they selected a cadre of uh, 20 to 30 vendors and um, both small and large and then uh, invited uh, four to five, uh, three to five companies to, to come and do oral presentations. So speed to mission was amazing. Within a few days, three to five days, they could award contracts. And That's they, amazing. And nobody protested because, we, you know, people didn't want to get on the bad side of uh, the, the customers. So no, but there were no protests on those. So okay. that was exciting. We're going to take a break. You're listening to Amtower Off Center on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. We'll be back right after this. Welcome back to Amtower Off Center on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. Uh, I'm Mark Amtower. I'm here with Dolly Oberoi of uh, C Squared Technologies and um, very focused on, on the, uh, the training environment in government. But she did this presentation at Washington Technology that really just fascinated me. So we're not just talking about the training environment. We're talking about how small businesses need to act and what they need to do to succeed. So, Dolly, the next part of your presentation was the really the evolution of the small. So take it from there, please. Uh, Well, as I mentioned, this is an exciting time to be a small business because of the greater uh, percentage of set-asides. So uh, I have to be honest with you, I'm seeing a trend in the industry. Small businesses are getting more and more sophisticated as they are seeing opportunities with larger contracts, which means that they really need to get their act together and develop a solid infrastructure to be able to manage those large contracts. And they are looking at, and a lot of small businesses are now applying best uh, practices more broadly than ever before. And they're also becoming hybrids, borrowing, which means that they're borrowing structures and systems and processes from large businesses, but not embracing their red tape and uh, uh, difficult uh, processes that uh, larger companies seem to have. And they're, so they're more agile. They're still staying very agile and flexible, but they are scaling very fast to the next level. So uh, this means that um, they have also uh, deeper technical expertise because they're able to attract people from larger businesses. A lot of folks in larger businesses uh, don't find it that exciting. There's too much bureaucracy. So they're finding that if smaller businesses are getting larger contracts, they can add a lot of value to those uh, small businesses. And therefore, they're doing, uh, small businesses are doing higher end work. They're also recruiting uh, from larger firms very vigorously now than ever before. Okay. So um, I'm assuming that you're, you're always pursuing uh, top talent. So how, how are you... Uh, as an employer, uh, do you have a high retention rate? Um, you know, are, are you the best place in Washington to work? Uh, so really good question and a very timely question because we are uh, in a very, very talent, a tight talent market Yes. right now. Everybody's working, wages are going up, and government is, of course, still procuring at low price, technically acceptable, which is actually challenging a lot of government contractors, especially if the contracts were negotiated a few years ago, the rates are lower, the salaries are going up. So I think every single employer in major cities, and and especially we service the government, of course, uh, in Washington area, uh, is challenged uh, in terms of uh, 
recruitment as well as retention because you have to pay higher salaries now. Right. So we are very fortunate that we have had a very high retention rate in our company. Uh, we, uh, in fact, there does a, there's not a week that goes by when I'm giving the 20-year pin and the 15, the 10, the 5. Um, and a lot of these folks have, are, they used to be in Washington, but they have re- relocated to our other development centers. We have two low-cost development centers, one in Oklahoma City, to service the aviation market in that area. And then uh, the other one is in Newport News. There's a lot uh, of FAA training. Yes, we are right outside the <laughs> FAA training center there, and the air bases are there. We serve Altus and several other bases there. But uh, then we also have an office in uh, Newport News. Uh, we are servicing the Army, the Navy, the Air Force, and everything in between in that area. Those areas are a bit lower cost, and there is a good talent pool there, uh, and so we are able to retain in those sites. Uh, we have very high retention rate. Yeah, it's not not everywhere is uh, San Francisco, Washington, New York, or Correct. Boston. Correct, and also to be competitive in this low price, technically acceptable uh, strategy the government's using, but in a very high wage, rapidly increasing wage environment. You have to do use some of those strategies. Right. So when did you start um, opening up your non-DC centers? So we opened uh, our Newport News office right after 9-11 to service okay. the DOD. And then um, the FAA has been a customer of ours for the last 30 years. So that office was open 25 years ago. Oh, cool. Okay. Right. Yeah. So you, you've been uh, multi-office for quite some time. That's right. Okay. So um, you see small businesses being more agile, uh, getting more and more sophisticated, applying best practices. Um, Is this because of your interaction with a lot of smalls? Or uh, I I know your company is this way, but um, I don't always see the same thing with some of the companies that I work with. Well, no, it is not the same with every company. There are businesses that are very traditional and then there are very other businesses that are uh, that are very very uh, obviously they're growing rapidly because they're agile and uh, they're flexible there and they're scaling very fast they're attracting uh, t- top talent from larger companies but everybody doesn't have that strategy because some people are satisfied with being 15, 20 person companies, a couple million dollars, 10 million dollars. Lifestyle companies. Lifestyle companies. And then, you know, what else is happening? I must mention this because it's all, all of us are uh, dealing with this situation. There are a lot of companies that are owned by baby boomers who are looking to exit, but don't know how to exit. So there's a big demand right now for the next generation of leaders, especially in Washington. Um. Yes, and and we see that with the you know the aging population in the federal government because the the average age now is is like in the fifties. Yes, um, and probably mid fifties. Right. Um, recruiting younger people into the government is difficult. Recruiting them into the contracting firms may be different. Right. So um, uh, we do a lot of workforce planning, human capital strategy. Uh, career pathing, we've developed career pathing tools. They become more important now than ever before because as the younger folks are coming in, they want to know when are they going from GS9 to 13 and how quickly they can reach that 
Pinnacle or GS15, whatever their uh, aspirations are. So um, government, by definition, being a large entity, is uh, hierarchical and, and slower in promotions. So uh, the private sector becomes much more attractive because it is so much government contracting going on. Mm -hmm. And we can also pay them better benefits, give them uh, more uh, uh, incentives, bonus plans, uh, stock options, uh, employee-owned ESOPs, all kinds of combinations are put on the table for these employees to come and work for the private sector. Right. So, I mean, 30 years ago, there was a tremendous number of perks Right. for being a lifer in the federal right. government. That's right. A lot of those perks are going away, mm-hmm. um, which makes it even more difficult to right. recruit. So um, <clears throat> one one thing I want to talk about before we wrap up this segment, you, you made a point in the, uh, in the Washington Technology presentation about small companies bringing on uh, uh, experienced management talent at certain points. So, uh, especially uh, new uh, startups, and uh, and there are a lot of startups every single day in this town because of the opportunities. Um, it's not necessary that the people who have all the cool ideas have government experience. That is an imperative, I, and I encourage everybody: please don't go into the government without bringing either having the expertise yourself or bringing on people with that expertise. That is absolutely critical to success because there are just so many nuances to government contracting. For example, if you don't perform, you can default. If you default, you're barred from doing business with that agency. If not, the whole government depends on the scale of the business. So uh, so I definitely encourage people to gain that experience. Well, the default is a major blot on past performance right. anyway. That's right. And all contracts are asking for past performance. Sure. If you happen to omit that default, you're going to be toast across the board. Right. Um, so we're going to take our, our final break here, but when we come back, we're going to talk about the uh, um, the challenges and how to stand out as a small. You're listening to Amtower Off Center on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. I'll be back with Dolly Oberoi right after this. Welcome back to Amtower Off Center on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. I'm wrapping up here with Dolly Oberoi of C Squared uh, Technologies. You can find them at c2ti.com, and I suggest you do. You can also look up Dolly on LinkedIn if you want to reach out. Uh, so uh, let's let's talk about challenges, and then uh, your your uh, final push on standing out as a small. So uh, big challenge is budgets. Well, so if you live in uh, Washington and do business with the government, I'm sure you are constantly watching uh, the news items for continuing resolutions, budgets, and uh, government shutdowns. That is our life. I, I constantly monitor that. For example, we are under a CR right now, and we are waiting, even though they have agreed to a budget deal, we don't know if it'll get uh, signed uh, by the 20, uh, 24, is it the 21st, 20th. And so 
that that is as a small business what do you do you don't have the runway to keep your employees afloat you have to keep uh, so you have to come up with strategies on how to be diversified for example this year we had a 35 day government shutdown it was devastating for small businesses many of them shut themselves down just because they couldn't make the payroll but then there are others who survived like us because we were diversified and 80% of our business is with DOD at the moment so uh, we didn't have uh, much of a blip at all and the couple of people who were impacted on the civilian side we absorbed them on the defense side but that is an unusual situation and so you always keep your eye on what are the budget allocations follow the money as they say in Washington so right now you know we have the uh, the NDA has been signed i know it's alphabet soup soup on um but um so that means DOD has a budget so better go and chase those DOD contracts uh, as a small business to stay alive and then there are a lot of uh, innovation projects and pilots that are getting funded uh, i'm sure you've heard about OTAs and then there are challenges that are uh, being um uh, hosted by uh, different agencies and, uh, and you can go to challenge.gov and look at the different challenges that agencies are posting we just won uh, an award from uh, NSF for one of the challenges we responded to the air force uh, awarded 92 contracts at a ch- at a pitch competition just recently so 45 million dollars got awarded on the spot so take a look at those those are great uh, opportunities for small businesses because we are agile and we like to experiment and and the key is innovate 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 if you don't innovate you don't have any enterprise value with any new ideas because you're just a government contractor that can't be sold because so small business contracts are not getting innovated the other challenge is that we become victims of our own success we are in a terrible place good news 600 people bad news 600 people because <laughs> because we can't compete with the large businesses right. the very large businesses and so that is a challenge that as a small business you have to monitor the as the size that you're in and whether you want to remain that, there or you have how are you going to exit from that and move into a larger space all of those are uh, interesting uh, challenges that uh, small businesses face every day right so there are many solutions to these too i mean as i mentioned for mentor protege jvs if you're graduating from uh, uh next codes and then uh, track the category management and other gwacs bpas idiq contracts persistence uh, pays off and i always say to people as much as you want to diversify also stick to your knitting because if you don't have competencies and past performance to support you you can chase the moon all day long and never get there so and proactive teaming and uh partner uh, teaming and capture obviously is the key to success and then uh, be active in your industry and get engaged in the community and um uh network 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 well, that, that, i w- i want to pursue that one for just a second so there's a ton of associations here and one thing that i do in my engagements with companies is to look to see where they are spending time is this really going to help you get traction in any way shape or form either as a prime a sub or you know working uh, meeting key people in government and some of the associations are obviously much better 
for niches than others. So where right. do you spend your time? Because of the space that we are in, um, we serve on a lot of boards of different associations. Uh, Association for uh, Talent Development. It's uh, worldwide, yeah, and we have, in fact, ASTD. yeah, former yeah. ASTD, and we are a we are a sponsor and a host for a monthly uh, community of practice. So we do that. Then we are in the in several of the DOD associations. We just came back from the largest DOD simulation and modeling um, a conference, which is held every year in December. It's a conference. That is our bread and butter, so we are there. That's so yeah. Air Force uh, Industry Days, all kinds of... Um, so wherever we are in terms of our customer base, the largest customer, we, we make sure that we are present in those associations, conferences, and make ourselves very visible and the industry days, and days. And that's a, yes. you get really granular right with those uh with those networking opportunities. right that's right that's right cool so um <clears throat> that being said uh let's let's talk briefly because we only have about four or five minutes left uh, on, on standing out as a small so you have to do a great job first performance 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 so once you've done a great job the second part that you have to do really well is your customer service. Um, that customer service, customer care, uh, extreme attention to the customer is critical. I understand that sometimes there are challenges, but find ways to solve those challenges because then the customers will come to you. We count on repeat business. We have the same customers we had 30 years ago. We have the same customers today, and we are proud of that. So that is, that's a given. It's hard to do here. It is very hard to do because there are going to be missteps. There are changes on the government side, changes on your side. Things can happen. But your goal should be to do the best job possible, not take the most money off the table. Right, but you you also develop relationships, key relationships. Correct. With people from the top to Correct. the true worker level. Correct. And those clients. And also, you know, you want to be their trusted partner. So I, uh, when I go, I don't ask them for work. I actually give them lots of solutions. So now they know, okay, I'm not going to cringe when the CEO of this company shows off asking me for work. I never ask them. But, uh, but I bring value in a different way, and the work comes to us anyway. So that's uh, one thing. The other thing is because there is such a, a, a tight market for talent and competition for talent, we're competing with all the large companies, I can tell you, we have a panoramic view from our penthouse suite in Tyson's Corner of all the large companies. Why should they come to C-squared versus all the large companies that can pay them better, give them better benefits? We offer a lot of flexibility in the, uh, we give them good work-life balance. People work very hard in our company, but then they also play hard. Uh, flexibility, um, a lot of our folks, when they get married or have decided to move or whatever, we have moved with them. So several of our trusted employees are moved out of the area. They're still working for us 20 years later because we accommodated them as telecommuters. And then a connected culture. We really do try to create a very connect. Even though we have um, remote offices, we have remote workers, we have really made sure that we are a community of practice and a connected to have a very connected culture and a family-oriented culture. And then um, the uh, we really, as I mentioned, the last thing is that uh, while we can't pay as well as a small business because we are very competitively priced with our uh, contracts, right. we offer many uh, other <clears throat> benefits 
and perks to our our employees. And those uh, uh, those are that's the reason we have a lot of longevity in the company. And then we also have our we never if somebody comes up with an innovative idea, we have an innovation labs. We always fund those R and D. We fund a lot of R and D uh, projects, and uh, those actually garner us new business, but also help with retention mm-hmm. because and attracting people. I just met somebody who said, "Every company wants me to do a defined job, but I am an innovator." I said, "Well, then come to and come and work for us, and then you can design your own job." So that I think excites people a lot because they can devise their own career path at you a small them company. Grow, yeah, which is cool. Dolly, thank you so much. This has been great, and and uh, you can find Dolly again c two ti dot com. You can look her up on LinkedIn, um, and uh, you know just a very cool company. So again, thank you for coming in. Thank you for having me, and happy holidays. And to you. Uh, This is not my day job. If your company is not leveraging, especially LinkedIn, social selling to the max, we need to talk. Drop me a line at markamtower at gmail.com or mark at federaldirect.net, and we can schedule a time to, to sit down and discuss your needs. And thank you for listening to Amtower Off Center. You've been listening to Amtower Off Center on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. Tune in Mondays at noon or subscribe to this show on iTunes or Podcast One. 